Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hi, folks. It's episode six, and I'm very excited about today's episode of Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Yay, it's happening. We have our first guest. Together with Ron, we have Charles, professional sports investor, a legendary sports better that made over 150 units of profit. That is $15,000 profit for $100 bet last baseball season. He's back and it's time to discover his secrets. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Ron. I'm really excited about our first interview here on Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast. Today on our show, I have Charles, one of the best Z-Code experts and professional sports investors. And um, I bet you you're going to be amazed by the insights that Charles is going to be sharing with us. Um, I really tried in this podcast interview to dig deep into his brain to get more information on some of the most interesting topics, such as Vegas traps, Sharp Better Secrets, Vegas Odd Makers, and a lot more. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the podcast. Enjoy. Charles, thanks for being here this evening. Uh, thanks for having me, Ron. No problem. No problem at all. Now, Charles, where are you from? Where, where are you uh, calling from in quotes? I'm just uh, calling from outside of Toronto in uh, Ontario, Canada. So okay. big city, but uh, just on the outskirts, kind of Kitchener-Waterloo area. Okay, very good, very good. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. Thanks for taking time out of your busy personal schedule, busy work schedule, and busy sports betting schedule. So um, now let's dive right into it. Now you've been on fire with a lot of your MLB picks, and I'm sure our listeners would love to know, and our, our fellow sports investors, they want to know and they're interested in, you know, all that you know, and they want to learn more about what you do know. And so tell us kind of, you know, you told us where you're from, but tell us how you got started in sports investing. That's actually a bit of a funny story. So about five years ago, I uh, played some online poker. A friend of mine was uh, big into online poker as well. Soon enough, the uh, field gets more educated. Uh, people read more and learn more and become a bit better at what they do. So uh, we realized pretty soon that we weren't just keeping up with the curve on that. So he actually uh, split off and started capping sports just, you know, casually here and there, wherever you could find an edge. Um, I didn't find out until about a year later. So four years ago, I was talking to him and he was making good profits and uh, looking at things from a statistical perspective. And that caught my interest. So given my background, I'm in information analytics, which basically means I... Uh, you know, parse data and information from computer programs, which means, you know, math isn't really a hard thing for me to do. And I figured, you know what, I'll just give this a shot and uh, open my first account at Party Bets, and uh, I guess the rest is history. Got it. And how long ago did you start doing that again? It was about four years ago. About four years ago. Okay. So four years ago, you got into the whole sports betting uh uh, I guess, industry, for lack of a better term, uh, for sports investing career. Um, how was it when you first started? I mean, what was it like? What were some of your experiences, that type of thing, like right right out of the gate when you first started? 
<laughs> that's actually a pretty interesting thing. Um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes, uh, a lot of silly things that happened. I think a lot of new people into uh, sports investing can relate where you look at the odds, you look at where the lines are being set, and you see a favorite and you kind of go with it because, you know, obviously the odds are dictating what should be the winner of, you know, the fight or the match or the game. And oftentimes, you know, statistically speaking, if you're investing just in favorites, you're not going to win in the long run. So that was uh, one of my biggest mistakes and biggest hangups. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of new people struggle with. So, Yeah, I can imagine if you have a favorite team and you bet against them, that it's like your emotions inside of you want to not do that. But the sports investor inside of you wants to, you know, say, telling you something different. So I can imagine that being a little difficult. So um, I guess the next question is a lot of people, they try to handicap games and they try to make picks, but not many get to the level that you get. Um, you've done an amazing thing. You've done some incredible things, actually. And, you know, what are some of the factors that are most important for you when taking a play? Well, one of the things that uh, I can really appreciate, especially off Z code, is they give you the percentages of people betting on each side, each team, people betting on the spreads, people betting on the points. And you can start to really see where the money's coming in, and you can start to see, is that money actually smart money, or is it simply the public getting hyped up over a big team like New York, or are they getting hyped up you know, over smaller teams like Miami? And if you see line movements, which is basically... Um, movements in the odds that don't really correlate to the amount of money being spent on that team, that kind of gives you an edge in realizing where the money is going versus where the sharp bettors are putting their money. Okay. So, you know, for me, I look at the line movements for sure. That's a huge thing. you got to look at the market. I mean, if 90% of the people are on Team A, but Team B is starting to get, you know, lower and lower odds, that just means there's sharps everywhere pouring money onto that team. And it's likely going to be a loser for you. Um, another thing that I look at quite heavily is obviously the situation. So, you know, is it going to be a day game? Is it going to be a night game? Mm-hmm. What are the offensive and defensive statistics of the team? Just trying to find the edges in players and teams that aren't necessarily as well known. So oftentimes, you know, I'll stay away from big teams like the Blue Jays and the Yankees and I'll try to get Smaller plays on, you know, Atlanta, the Mets, um, you know, Seattle, any team where the public isn't necessarily excited about them. There's not going to be a lot of money on them. And then I can go in for, you know, 2.3, mm-hmm. you know, three to one odds. And I only need, you know, 40% strike rate to bring in a good profit over the season. So. Okay. Okay. Now, last year in the, the last uh, Major League Baseball season, uh, you made over 150 units of profit. Um, let's talk about the current MLB season. Um, what are your profit expectations? If you had to look at it this season compared to last season, what are you looking at? Well, basically what I've done is last season we had a pre-game, pre-game MLB uh, picks, sorry. And that was basically capping a few games here and there before they started and allowing users to place bets. Um, I'm going to still be doing that. I'm going to start that in May this year instead of starting right ahead in April. I think it just gives us more of a statistical edge. 
Okay. And then I'll also be placing live bets uh, every few days where I find edges. Now, uh, profitability-wise, I'd say, you know, 20 to 30 units a month is probably my conservative estimate of where we should be. So right around the 100-unit mark, maybe 120 again. Um, last year, we did incredibly well, and I don't think that uh, we'll see much of a drop-off from that. Okay, well, that's fantastic. And what teams, I mean, this is kind of, in, you know, if you had your crystal ball kind of thing, and I'm sure a lot of people out there are wondering, even if they're not in the sports investing industry or they do sports betting, they want to know whether or not their team's got a shot. So, you know, what are some of the teams uh, that you expect to perform well, and what are the great bet against teams? Well, I mean, you've always got your teams with uh, big money that are coming in. Obviously, the Dodgers have tons of money, big city, big team. Uh, they should do fairly well. You've got the Yankees, a decent lineup, a few injuries. I don't see them doing poorly. They'll probably make it into the playoffs. Some of the teams that I like to outperform expectations would be Seattle, They've actually got a fairly decent lineup this year. They found uh, really good rookie pitchers and young pitchers, actually, which you like to see. They've made good acquisitions in the offseason. And then teams to bet against, um, you know, you've got your normal culprits. Houston's not looking too great. Their pitching staff is pretty awful. Uh, the Mets can't really hit the ball. And, uh, you know, the Marlins are always a good bet against as well. So, Okay. Okay. Very good. Now, um in the Zeke, in, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm getting tripped up over my own uh, uh, speaking here. So anyway, in the Z Code VIP Club, um, you've been using a lot of different approaches, and I think you even mentioned a few of these in some of your previous answers. But um, you've been using pre-picks, live bets, parlays. You know, what is your favorite method? It's uh, interesting that you mentioned that, just because coming into this year, this season. Um, I had made the majority of profits off the pregame bets last year. This year, I'm looking to change that a little bit. Uh, my favorite right now is live betting. It just really helps to be able to see the team and see the coaching and where things are going as far as momentum because you can have a favorite that's, you know, laying minus 300 or something like that. And if they come into the game, they're flat. You know, the pitching is not great and the coach isn't really maximizing the potential of his players, then you actually have a decently easy play on the underdog, and you're getting, you know, 3-1 to one sometimes, uh, 2.5 to 1. And you really just want to make sure that when the game starts, you're on the right side, because you can lay your bet pregame, and if you do your analysis, there's a good chance you're going to come out ahead most of the times. But even Z-Code can't really prepare you for what's going to happen in the actual game. So... What I look for is, you know, are there going to be statistical edges as far as weather? Because if it's a hot day, that means the ball is going to be carrying, the hitters are going to be hitting it well. If it's sunny, they're going to be able to hit the ball a lot easier. They can see it coming out of the pitcher's hand. And it's going to make fielding a little bit more difficult because now they're looking into the sun. They're trying to catch the ball. Okay. They can lose it, you know, up in the air. And then... Pre-game is an interesting thing because Z-Code actually gives me an edge as far as the tools. So if you see like a five-star favorite, whether it's an underdog or you know the team that's receiving the most money, that's a good indication to the user that there's something of value there because there's no human bias. 
the computer doesn't really care, you know, what team is fancy or what team's doing the best. It's going to look at everything that is put into the database and come up with what it believes is the most likely conclusion. So what I'll do for pregame is I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, well, you know, we might have line reversals that, you know, dictate the players or the pitchers or the staff of a certain team won't be performing. And in that case, you look at maybe betting on the other side, especially if you're getting decent odds. But uh, for this season, I don't think I'll be doing too many parlays. Um, the Vegas handicappers and things are usually pretty good at putting the odds where they want them to be. The only uh, parlays I'd be looking at this year would probably be along the lines of, you know, a few odds around 1.3 stacked together, mm-hmm. you know, plus 2.5 uh, on the run line or anything like that. But my favorite this year looks to be the live betting, and I hope to make that quite profitable for people. Excellent. Now, one thing that's interesting is let's talk more about um, these so-called Vegas traps. And some of our listeners may never have heard that, or even if they've had, they've been kind of wondering, you know, actually how Vegas sets them. So regarding the Vegas traps, how does Vegas actually set them? This is uh, a little bit of a point of contention in the uh, in the industry, but basically it's it should be wide knowledge now that uh, people are going to sometimes bet emotionally. They're going to bet for their favorite team. They're going to play on things that they hear for ESPN. You know, you hear all the time that so-and-so is the best pitcher, you know, since sliced bread sort of thing, or this is the best team. This is the team that's going to go all the way. And when people hear that, they get, you know, very excited. And obviously, Vegas is going to be getting the same information. But what you don't realize is that oftentimes they have you know, sports scouts, they have people on the fields, they have metrics that we can only dream of. So what will happen is you'll see the most common one is, let's say you've got a small market team in Miami, mm-hmm. and they're going to face off against, you know, let's say the New York Yankees or Oakland, you know, bigger market teams that have a lot of respect in the betting community. You're going to expect the odds from Vegas to be quite low. So you know, 1.5, 1.6 to 1 sort of thing on the favorite. What Vegas will do, though, if they believe that maybe the starting pitcher for Oakland has been injured or let's say there is some fielding issues or the closer's not performing as well as he could, they'll start to slowly increase the odds or release the odds at, you know, a very juicy rate for the better. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you go in there and you look at Oakland versus Miami and you think to yourself, I'm getting 1.8 to 1. This is crazy. It's a sure thing, right? And as soon as you invest heavily into that bet, I mean, Vegas is setting a trap for you. They're basically coaxing as much money as they can to come in on the favorite because they're looking for the underdog to actually take the win. Wow. That is that is interesting. That really is. Um, wow. I Okay, so... Um, yeah, that's I, the, the Vegas traps. That's an interesting. Anything else about the Vegas traps that that would be interesting to our to our listeners? Oh yeah, there's actually uh, several different traps. So, I mean, that's the big one. It's the most okay. obvious, where they juice the odds in a certain way. One of the other things that they do is they'll analyze a game in a way that 
profits them in the long run. So the way they do this is usually on totals or run lines. So if the teams are facing off and let's say both teams are offensively quite poor, they might set the expected outcome of the game to be set at six runs or seven runs, something like that. But again, if they have information that perhaps the fielding or pitching is going to be quite off, it doesn't really matter if you're not the best hitter in major league. If someone's throwing you, you know, soft tosses or meatballs, you're going to be hitting it out of the park. And what will happen is cappers will go through the analysis, they'll look through the metrics, and they'll say, okay, well, this team looks to be, you know, a two-run two team a game. This other team, Team B, looks to be maybe three. I'm getting a run line of six on the total, and I have, you know, one run to play with, and they'll just hop right in. And it's the same thing for the public. I mean, if you know the Mets in Miami are playing and neither of them can hit the ball, it's going to be very tempting for you to actually bet on the under because okay. it's like it looks like a gift, right? It's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So that's another one of the big ones. Uh, wow. As far as the run line, usually the run line is going to be uh, minus 1.5 and plus 1.5. And this Vegas trap is actually um, on live betting. So what will happen is... Let's say your team is up by four points and there's a few innings left and you're looking at the live bet and it's saying to you, okay, well, we'll give you minus 2.5, which means your team has to win by three runs or more. And you're like, okay, well, it's four nothing. I've already got the four points. You know, I've got a one point buffer. This looks good to me. They might give you odds of, you know, 1.5 or 1.6 even. So you load up on your live betting. You think, you know, this is a sure thing. There's no way they're going to blow a four-point lead. But what you don't know is the closer or the bullpen for the team on the other side is much better than the one that you're betting for. So it comes into like the eighth or ninth inning, and suddenly the other team, even though they're not as good as they could be, are starting to score runs, and you've lost your bet again. So (laughs) you have to be very... I mean, you have to be cognizant of what they're trying to do, right? I mean, they're trying to load up mm-hmm. either one end or the other, or they're trying to get people to split the money right down the center 50-50 on each team if it's a coin toss, because Vegas applies what they call uh, juice to the line. And juice is basically the amount of money that they take on every bet, regardless of who wins or who loses. So if they can give you a line of two teams facing off at 1.9 each, and make sure that people bet 50% of their money on each team, then suddenly, no matter who wins, they're making 10% right off the top. Amazing, amazing. Well, that's I, I'm sure our listeners, those who know exactly what you're talking about, and those who are kind of just getting into this the sports investing uh, uh, industry, they're probably, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Now, one, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, you were actually featured, Charles, in the Z Code Sports Investing Bible book with your article, Creating Value, How to Maximize Profit. Uh, I mean, let me try that again. Creating Value, How to Maximize Profit. Um, tell us more about your approach. Yeah, so this is uh, one of those things where you need to figure out who you are as an investor and you need to decide 
where you're at as far as your career, what you want to make of it, what you're looking to profit. A uh, few of the things I would suggest is you need long-term goals. Um, it's been said in previous podcasts and on Z-Code all the time. But a lot of people, they go into it and their first day they might make two bets and they might lose both and get discouraged and think, you know, okay, well, this isn't for me and off they go sort of thing. But I would say the first thing you need to do to be profitable to maximize your profits is to set realistic and long-term goals. So for me, I look at it more as a monthly thing. Okay. So, for example, a goal for me might be I want to make... 40 units this month. And that might not sound like a lot. It might not sound, you know, super impressive or anything like that. But what people have to realize is 40 units in a month is, you know, quite impressive because a lot of people out there, you know, 98% of them, if they're not creating goals and they're not looking towards, you know, 40 units in the month, every time they lose, they're getting more and more frustrated and that just kind of leads more to a gambling mindset, right? So sure, sure. the first thing is just set yourself, you know, monthly goals, maybe set yourself a goal for a season. So MLB is five to six months long. Just say, okay, you know, even if I don't make 40 units in a month, if I only make 30, I'm looking at the end of the season to make, you know, 150 or 140 units. That's the first thing I would suggest. The uh, second thing that I would look at is your bankroll management, which is basically the money you have that you want to invest in your sports. And it could be, you know, a thousand dollars, could be ten thousand or a hundred thousand, doesn't really matter. And you want to break out and decide what your risk tolerance is for your bankroll. So for me, um, you know, I'm more in the middle. I'm not a very conservative person, but I'm not, you know, by any means a crazy risky person at all. And so let's say your risk tolerance is very high mm-hmm. and you can, you know, stand losses for five days, knowing that on the sixth day you'll do quite well, you'll outperform the five days of losses and you'll be fine. Then I would say a unit for you could be anywhere between one percent to one point two percent of your bankroll. And each bet depending on your confidence, would be about one bet, one, ah, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) would be about, uh, let's say, one unit for a low confidence bet, um, three units for a medium confidence bet, and then four or five units for a high confidence bet. So at any point in time on any bet, you're not really risking more than four to five percent of your bankroll, which isn't too much. And the other thing I would suggest is staying away from... um, the idea of a static unit. So a lot of people, when they start off, let's say with, you know, $100,000 or $10,000, they're going to look at it and they're going to say, okay, well, 1% of my $100,000 is, you know, going to be $1,000. Or if it's down at 10000 it's going to be 100 And they're going to decide from now on, that's my unit. Okay. So they'll make their unit to be $100 and if they have five losing days in a row well suddenly you know they might be down at the 7 or $6,000 mark doing that so one of the things that i advocate quite heavily is the idea of sliding unit and having some money management that way so if your bankroll is 8,000 
and you're looking at percentage for a unit of 1%, then your unit should only be $80 at that point. So that's just another way to kind of minimize your losses. So on the way down, you're not quite getting um, dropped as low as you would if it was just a static unit price. Um, And then on the way up, you're able to compound your winnings because your units will be growing with your winnings. So, Okay. It's interesting because I think you pointed out something that's really important is that no matter what area in life, whether it's business or personal or weight loss or whatever, you have to have goals. And what you're saying is that for sports investing, it's the same exact thing. You have to have goals, um, something to look forward to, a long-term plan that kind of keeps you on the path so it doesn't turn into a betting mindset or a you know gambling mindset, I should say, uh, but more of a sport investing mindset. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where people need to set their expectations to be realistic as well because – you know, nowadays, if I take all of the money that I have in my bankroll, let's say, and I go to a bank and I open up my account, I'll be lucky to get, you know, one and a half or two percent on savings versus if I can get five percent even on sports investing through a season, that's an incredible return. So a lot of people, they come into it, they think, okay, it's going to be get rich quick. It's going to be easy. You know, I know my sports, I know my players, I'm going to base my knowledge and handicapping off of that. And that's really where I found Z code was quite helpful because they give you a lot of analysis. They give you tools that are incredibly helpful. And then there's an expert community in there that kind of keeps you on the level where you can bounce ideas off of people who've been capping for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and just say, Hey, I'm new to this. I'm trying to get into it. I want to make some profits. What systems can I follow? Or these are the bets I'm thinking of. What do you guys think? Or, you know, I really like this team. I think they can do very well. What what are their chances sort of thing? And the expert community is really what sets Zcode apart from other people because we have, you know, verified systems and we have people that truly care and truly want to make sure that People succeed, they get ahead, and they can make the profits they want. So, okay. And what we're going to do is um, we're going to we're I'm looking at the clock here, and we want to make sure that um, you know the, the podcast is impactful and we don't go over too long um, yep. and keep it in a time frame. But the one last question I have is that there's a lot of folks out there who are listening this to this podcast may never have even ventured in the area of sport investing. You know, what are some of the most important steps out there for someone who was where you were four years ago? Um, what are some of the things as, you know, someone out there who's done some amazing things in the, in the sports, uh, let me try that again, in the sports investing world, what are some of the things that you would recommend for someone who's out there and wants to get started? Uh, the first thing I would say is get comfortable with yourself and make sure that you're going to be able to go day-to-day and take a very uh, standoff approach emotionally and not get too frustrated or upset when things don't go your way. I mean, a lot of things can happen in a game or in a season where, you know, you look at it and you'll say, oh, you know, I just got unlucky. You can get frustrated and upset. But if you're getting, you know, emotionally invested when you're starting out, it can be very dangerous because you'll have the mindset that, oh, you know, I know I was right. I know I'm making the right plays when you might not be. So always check yourself emotionally. You know, don't get too involved that way. 
And then the second thing I would say, if you're just starting off, you know, find a good community, find somewhere where, you know, you can get the help that you want. You can figure out where people are making money. You want to find, you know, a community that will actually support you. And the third thing is you want to make sure that you're looking at the relevant statistics. You don't have, you know, a personal bias towards certain teams and when you're making your bets, it's something that your bankroll can sustain. So if your bankroll is only $1,000 when you start, you know, you shouldn't be betting $500 on each bet or something like that. Sure, sure. I mean, if you get unlucky, your bankroll's gone, you've got nothing, and you've got to start over again. And so overbetting can just, can really easily impact someone who's new to the, the sports investing sphere. So you just want to watch those three things. That sounds great. Well, Charles, thank you so much for giving us all those insightful tips and kind of your history and everything else. We greatly appreciate your time tonight. Thank you, Ron. Great. And I just want to let all our uh, listeners know that we will have Charles on future shows of the Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. So thanks again, Charles, and uh, we're signing off. This is Ron, and uh, everyone have a great night. And there you have it. That's it, folks. That was fantastic. I hope you enjoyed Charles and his wisdom. And I'm sure we're all looking forward to have Charles on the future episodes of the show. And don't forget to download a free copy of Sports Investing Bible at www.sportsinvestingbible.com. It's your crash course. It's your fast start to sports investing and winning on sports. You'll find Charles's article inside the book, too. So talk to you soon and uh, have a great day, friends. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.